Well, back in the day, about now, there would have been a couple people who said, well, glory. It's still okay to say, by the way. It's interesting that in preparing for this service, last week we looked at hearing from the heart of God. And the plan was today to hear from your pastor's heart. And basically, we've already done that. Because my desire is that my heart matches his. Now, we all understand that our heart needs to keep beating physically for us to keep living physically. We even know and can understand any time we hear a soundtrack that has that thump, 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 heartbeat. Or sometimes thump, 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 thump. Sometimes thump, thump. Whatever speed is going, it needs to just keep going. And no matter whatever gets written on a death certificate, every single person dies from heart failure. No matter what the cause of death was, it could always be heart failure because it's at that point when our heart stops that our life stops. The same is true spiritually. Our heartbeat for God needs to continue for us to live for him and to hear from him. It was almost two years ago as I was about to be rolled into surgery to replace a hip that didn't want to work anymore that I became acutely aware of my heartbeat. Now, anytime you go in and you have a procedure done of any kind, they hook you up to the monitors and they stick those stickers on you. And um, there's then a monitor that goes all the time. And no matter what they tell us, we all keep going and looking at the monitor. And if you spend enough time in hospitals, you unfortunately even know which line means what. And they tell me that there are times that they shift, click off the monitor so you can't see them anymore because people are too concerned looking at the monitor. Well, I had done all the prep ahead of time, there in the morning in the hospital. Every doctor had come in to see me. The surgeon had come in to see me. He even marked which hip to replace, which I was really glad that he did that because I didn't want them to get that mixed up. And the anesthesiologist had come in and everybody had come in and they said, well, we're ready to roll you in. And I'm like, let's get this done. I've been waiting long enough. And then the nurse looked at that monitor. And she said, how are you feeling? I said, I feel great. Let's do this. She goes, really, you feel okay? Nothing wrong? I go, no. I don't know about you, but I don't like it when they ask those kind of questions. 
Because when you say you're fine and then they go, are you sure? <laughs> you go, okay, what do you know that I don't know? She said, I'll be right back. I'm like, no, take me with you. Let's go get this done. And she walked back in with somebody else. And he looked up there and he goes, how are you feeling? I said, well, other than you guys asking me how I'm feeling, I'm doing great. Let's do this. And he goes, really, you're feeling okay? You're not feeling? I go, yeah, I'm fine. Why? I said, well, your heart rate's a little elevated. I go, well, I'm, I'm ready to get this done. They go, no, no, it, it's elevated. I go, exactly how? They said, oh, it's 135, 140 beats per minute. It's a little high, I guess. And I said, is that bad? <laughs> I go, well, it's not good. And I said, something else is going on here. And I go, okay. They go, just a minute. And they left again. Now, by the way, if you're in the medical profession, that's lousy for the patient. <laughs> I mean, now I'm looking back at the monitor and seeing lines that are not straight. Of course, you don't want them to be completely straight, I guess. They tell me that but mine had way too many squiggles. And then a couple more people walked in and they looked up at that monitor and looked at me and asked the dumb question again. How you feeling? I'm fine, except for you guys keep asking me how I'm feeling, what's going on? They said, well, there appears to be a problem. I said, well, does it appear or is there a problem? They said, well, you're in, you're in what's known as AFib right now, arterial fibrillation. I know way too much about this stuff now. It means that the heartbeat's irregular and the one chamber is not, not beating and pumping at the same speed that the other one is. So one's running ahead of the other, which I thought, well, hey, I like competition. That's okay. They go, no, it's not. And it, it can create this and create this. So we got to figure out whether we can do this surgery. And I didn't do this out loud, but inside I'm going, no, we're doing this. I planned everything out. We scheduled it at this time on purpose. So they all left and I could still see them in the hall, which another note to medical profession. If you're going to gather and have a confab about the patient, don't be where we can see you. Because I see them talking and shaking their head and shaking their head and, and looking back in the window at the monitor. And they came back in and said, I think we're going to need to put this on hold. I did not think good thoughts at that moment about the medical profession. But now they had me worried. And they talked about dangers and all that kind of stuff and I said so what are we going to do they said well first of all we got to get this taken care of and the surgery will happen some other time so then they wheel me out of there and I, I had said because how long the surgery was supposed to last and all that I told Jody man go get some breakfast go do whatever you know and I said would somebody call my wife or let me call her <laughs> And so phone calls were made and you know, it's like, what's going on? I go, I don't know. 
I feel fine. Trust me, I've answered that 12 times. I feel fine. And so they did what they needed to do. And a few months later, I was able to have the surgery and everything seems to be fine. I don't know. I may still have some issues going on, but it's, I, I don't have any restrictions and all that kind of stuff. But for the first time in my life, I really started thinking about and listening to my heart. I'm just wondering this morning if you've been paying attention to your heart. I don't, I don't mean the squiggle lines. I mean your heart. Between you and God. Because we need to pay attention. And I think there are some times that the Lord's trying to get our attention. When we were answering like I was, I feel fine. But the people who knew better looked and went, something's not right. And I think some of us, the Lord is saying, something's not right. Even though we keep saying and putting on a nice mask that says, everything's fine. I want you to hear my heart this morning. No, not the monitor. Not the thump, thump. But the heart for God. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me. Don't worry about the, the time. Easy for me to say, right? Because I had a feeling before the Spirit was moving that I wouldn't finish this today. So I'm not going to worry about whether I finish it or not. And for those of you who panic when you can't fill in blanks, don't worry. I'll eventually finish it. But we're going to look at three places, two different books, three, well, actually six different chapters. Matthew chapter 9 and chapter 6, Matthew 9, 35 to 38, we looked at last week. Matthew 6, beginning of verse 19, part of the Sermon on the Mount. And then we're going to look back into the Old Testament in Second Chronicles, chapters 14, 15, and 16. But in Matthew 9, 35 to 38, we looked at this last week about hearing the heart of God. And these verses say, And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We looked at the fact that hearing the heart of God means you understand he sees you. He knows you. He cares for you. And he is here for you wherever you are. See, the beauty is we're worshiping now. In Ukraine, they would have worshiped several hours earlier. He was there and he's here. It's beyond our comprehension, but it's still true. But this morning, I want you to hear this from my heart. Some things that I am convinced, according to the scripture and the spirit, that we need to do. The first is from this passage that we need compassion and prayer. And a lot more of it. 
Jesus, it says in these verses I just read, had compassion. And he asked us to pray that more people would join forces together to reach the harvest. We need compassion and prayer as we labor, as we serve. And I believe we need to become, this is my own word, I don't think it's in Webster's. We need to become noticers. We need to become people who notice other people. Who see them and hear them. We need to see and notice the people around us. Because I'm convinced if we're following Christ that he intentionally brings people around us who he wants us to notice for his sake. There are so many people all around us, each one of us, who are crying out to be noticed. Not for attention, but to be seen, to be noticed. To not just blend in, but to know that somebody sees them, hears them, cares for them. And you see, we already looked at last week that God does that, but we are his laborers. He called us that. We are his ambassadors. We are his servants. So they're going to see and hear and know that God sees them, hears them, and cares for them. If we do, we need to become noticers. Somebody who sees them. And seeing them and hearing them should drive us to prayer. One of my heartbeats, I shared some of these, a, a longer list with the board at our last board meeting is, I just, am convinced that we need and a burden for us to have more times of prayer and times of powerful prayer because the Spirit moves. And I'm not just talking about set times like tomorrow night. I mean to really be prayers. And I mean at all levels, our children, our teens, and our adults. We need compassion and prayer as we labor. We need to become noticers. We also need to care about those we notice. See, one of the fears people have, even though they want to be noticed, their fear is you're going to notice them and then not care. One of the greatest fears we have as humans is trying to open ourselves up and then nobody cares. It's devastating. To care. Now, will people always understand? No. Will they always even believe you? No. But we need to do it anyway. We have to care about those we notice just like Jesus did. He went through the towns and villages. We just read it. And he saw the people harassed and helpless 
I told you last week that that word in the Greek, it really refers to someone being thrown down and not being let back up. Somebody thrown down by circumstances and cares or somebody who is just messed up, high, drunk, whatever, and thrown down as a result. We need compassion and prayer as we labor, and our compassion should drive us to pray. Did you hear that message I read to you from the church in Kiev? Pray for us. He also said it's so encouraging to know that somebody in another part of the world is praying for us, has noticed us. It's not by accident that some of those pal packs went to that church because evidently we're supposed to connect. We need compassion and prayer as we labor, which if you didn't already catch it means we need to labor. We also need and this may be the hardest one for us in this grouping. We need total dependence on God. Total dependence. To where literally we understand that each breath that we have is because of Him. I've been looking at the last couple of weeks the story of King Asa. Second Chronicles chapter 14, 15, and 16 tell the story. It tells that when he became king, there was some peace that took place. Chapter 14 um, tells us that, and that he um, began to make some changes. And verse 2 of chapter 14 says, And Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He took away the foreign altars and the high places, broke down the pillars, cut down the asherim, and commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, to keep the law and the commandment. Asa was following the Lord, and God gave them peace for a time period, but there came a moment in that when it wasn't quite so peaceful. You see, that total dependence on God's means we need to be leaning on God as if our life depended on it. Because it does. I had no idea when they asked me 25 times, do you feel okay, that I wasn't okay. Because as they explained to me later, you've gotten used to this. So it no longer feels out of place. It didn't all happen at once. It built up to that point. Fortunately, the crescendo was where I was with some people who could recognize it and help me do something about it. But what about spiritually? I'm afraid too many times it starts building up a little at a time and we get used to doing it on our own. And we don't even realize we're no longer depending on God. 
Well, while Asa was king, there was a group that came against them. In that same chapter, chapter 14 of Second Chronicles, it says in verse 9 that Zerah the Ethiopian came out against them with an army of a million men. Verse 10, Asa went out to meet him. They drew up the lines of battle, though their army was about the third the size. But here's where Asa's dependence on God showed up. In verse 11, it says, And Asa cried out to the Lord his God, O Lord, there is none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name, we have come up against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Let not man prevail against you. And then verse 12. So the Lord defeated the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. Asa recognized, though they went out for the battle, they were willing to fight, but they also acknowledged, Lord, if you don't help us, we don't stand a chance. Do you realize that for you? That if God doesn't help you in your daily stuff, not just the big stuff, the regular stuff, you don't stand a chance. Oh, we can limp by for a while. We can pretend everything's okay. We can wear a mask and make people think nothing's wrong. But we aren't about to win those battles without dependence on God. To lean on God as if our life depended on it. Parents, to lean on God to parent your children regardless of their age. Husbands and wives, to put your marriage in God's hands, not yours, not Dr. Phil's, but in God's hands, to realize we are totally dependent on him in anything and everything we do. Our life depends on us being dependent on God, leaning on him, but also crying out to God, crying out to him for guidance, crying out to him for strength, crying out to him for boldness and courage, crying out to him for our very existence. We sent the Operation Christmas Child boxes to help some kids who couldn't help themselves and whose families couldn't. We sent the school pal packs for the same thing. And that can make us feel good. But my thing is, what are we doing even around us? We need to keep doing our, to the whole world and even more, I believe. But what about right around us? We have a helping hands ministry. Right now we hand out food. I believe we need to begin to expand some of what we do through that. Well, it's going to take people and money. 
But there are so many needs that we could be meeting if we're depending on him, crying out to him for that boldness and courage, for the guidance and strength. We need to be making connections with one another and other people. That's why some of the small groups and the Bible studies and mentor things and all kinds of stuff, we keep mentioning and pleading for people to be involved in it because it's literally life or death. To have some people who decide to be shepherds for other people. Now, anytime you look at shepherds in the Bible, you find flaws in those shepherds, just like there is in us. And sometimes people say no to situations and ministries in the church because they go, I don't have everything together. And my answer is welcome to ministry. <laughs> it's like somebody says, I'll ask him to teach and they go, I don't think I know enough. And I go, then you are the perfect person because neither do I. But he does. And his word is there for all of us. We must be totally dependent on God individually and as a church body. See, the scripture tells us in 2 Chronicles chapter 15 that after they had depended on God and God gave them the great victory, that God sent someone to give this declaration. And he said, hear me, Asa and all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you. While you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he'll forsake you. Does that mean he's not available? No, he's still available. But we then live as if he's not. Too many of us are living that way. Declaring our love for him, but living as if we don't need him. Please hear my heart. That's a dangerous way to live. As individuals, that can't be sustained. And neither as a church can it be sustained. We need desperately to live in total dependence on God. Knowing what his word says and what his will is and then living according to that. John Maxwell who pastored for many years and then did, has done a lot in the last 10 or 20 years on spiritual leadership and leadership period. He used to say when he was still pastoring, they said, I think sometimes that it would have been better if I'd have quit preaching and said, do what you already know to do. And when you've hit that point, I'll preach another sermon. For many of us, this is new, man, dig into it. For many of us, we unfortunately hear messages and songs, and in our mind, we hear yada, 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 yada. Heard it before, familiar with it. But the question is, are we living it? Are we living dependent on him for our very existence, for our care? For our future. In the last several weeks. And a whole bunch this week. 
I just feel like I've been bombed with needs in people's lives. And even this morning as I was praying in here and walking around and touching the seat where you're sitting and praying for you. Now some of you are in the wrong seat so it messed me up. But I realized because I've been praying more and part of it is Lord come on enough already as far as the needs. And he's like, well, I can trust you with more now because you're bringing them to me. What are you bringing to him? Or are you trying to do it yourself? Please hear my heart. Not in accusation or condemnation, but breaking with you and trying to give you a wake-up call like the doctors gave me. How are you really doing? Jesus, this morning, oh, Lord, thank you for moving among us and for your spirit. Thank you for the words of your scripture and of the songs that we sang. Thank you for the encouragement to be with one another. Lord, thank you for caring about us, seeing us and hearing us. So Lord, this morning I pray that as I try to share my heart, that each one would recognize that you care about them, that you're listening that you see them. And Lord, give us courage to really depend on you. Give us courage to have compassion and to pray. Listen. Lord, help us to not be fooled because we think we feel okay. But help us to look at your monitor and your word and then make changes as you show us that. Lord, this message isn't finished, so I pray that you would guide between now and next Sunday. This wasn't my plan, but Lord, you've taken me up on my prayer every week. That it's like, Lord, whatever I plan doesn't matter. It's what you planned. So I'm trusting that and living that out this morning. So may you keep preaching to us. Guiding, prodding, convicting, encouraging, strengthening us this week. Help us to hear your heart and help us to do whatever you say so our heart lines up with yours. So we're not out of rhythm, but rather beating just like you. Lord, guide us to confess if needed, to have courage to serve, to give, to go, to pray, and to share. And may this week we see your move in us and through us. 
because we're lining our heart up with yours. In Jesus' name, I put these people into your hands, Lord, and myself as well. In Jesus' name, amen.